Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. But we've been um, sharing out of the Bible in this series that we're in right now, challenging and tough things that Jesus spoke. Challenging and tough things that Jesus spoke. Um, as I'm halfway through it, I, 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 I'm persuaded that most of the things that Jesus said was challenging. Because Jesus is countercultural. Jesus is opposite of us. And so he came and he turned the world's way of thinking upside down. He challenges us in our faith. He challenges us in our walk. And he challenged us in our understanding of who God is. Um, the, the world had not known that God was a personal God. A God who's willing to wrap himself in flesh and to be like us. And not only to be like us because we're so great, but to be like us so that he can show us the way that we were created to be. And so this morning we're going in, coming out of Matthew chapter 6. This is a portion of the, the most profound sermon ever preached. And it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is speaking to the people and speaking to us today about kingdom living. Kingdom living. You see, kingdom living is countercultural to the way that we think and the way that we want to live. And so this teaching this morning was revolutionary. Now, I know we've Christ, we're Christians and some of us grew up in the church and we've read the Bible. And so it's become kind of normative to us, some of the things that we read. But we have to understand that in the day and the time that Jesus was speaking, like people's minds were blown because he was speaking some stuff that people had never heard. So much so that even his 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 adversaries would say, what where does all this wisdom come from this this man? And they couldn't deny that he was from God because of the way in which he spoke. And he was. A, a, a craftsman. Uh, we've learned in popular culture that he was a carpenter, uh, and that could have been the case. He could have did some carpentry, but he was more of a craftsman. He was he worked with his hands. He was a, a manual laborer. He was he was a guy that you know walked around. You know nowadays you have the, the big trucks. You see them, and they have all the tools on it. And Jesus was a fixer. That's what he did. He was a fixer. Not only in the natural, but in the spiritual, he was a fixer. And it was a beautiful, it's poetic how God created Jesus. Uh, or he didn't create, uh, Jesus was born and, and, and how he was in the natural, he was one that set things right, put things together, put, made things, created things. And in Colossians 1.16, we find that he is the creator of all things. And so tailor made for him was his occupation. His occupation. And... Some of you guys have heard this story about me. Uh, I, 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 was, I was an IT guy for years, 15 plus years. I was a technical architect and a software engineer. And me and my wife had this bright idea that we were going to buy 16 acres out in Elgin and build our own house on it and build our own house on it. I was excited. I went to the Internet. 
I bought me a, uh, some floor plans. You can buy floor plans on the internet. I went and we chose the one. It was a nice country style house, wraparound porch. It was beautiful. And we we're like, ooh, this is beautiful. And it was like, I don't remember the website, but we ordered it and it was expensive. And they sent them in. They sent you like, like maybe 10 copies of it so you can give it to all your trades. And so we went through this bank and we got the financing and, and we were ready to build this house. And here's the thing. We said, we're going to build this house as unto the Lord. And we were serious about it. We had 16 acres, and we were youth pastors. We were like, man, we had, it was out in Bastrop. We had all these piney trees out. And we were like, man, we can come out. We can play paintball out here. Like the kids, they was always at our house anyway. So now we had more space. We had more space. And we can go out there, and we, could, and we had cows out there. And, and, we, and we were ready to just build this house. And we got financing. And we were like, yes, this is it. This is the ultimate thing. We're going to do it for the kingdom. Amen. We got all our bids. All of the, we did our due diligence, contractors, uh, electricians, plumbers, everybody. And then we got the bid, we got the money from the bank based upon the bids that we have. We could take draws. And then September 11th hit. Anybody was around during September 11th, you know that it was this financial thing that happened. And the price of everything just kind of doubled. Price of gas, price of copper, price of all these materials, it all doubled. And then not only that. In that year, it was El Nino. And so, like I told you, we bought 16 acres. It was heavily wooded. And so we had to go with, this, with these machines, and we were clear glance. Look, some people who was at our old church, they, they nodded here because they was out there trying to help us, too. We was out there trying to do something. I doesn't get in that in a minute. Anyway, and so we're, we're clearing land, and then it would rain, El Nino. You couldn't get back there and do anything. And then we were, it would dry for a week, and then we would say, we're going to pour the concrete, and then it would rain. And, then it couldn't, and so before you knew it, not only were we over budget, but we were behind the time by like six months because of all the rain. All the rain. And if I had hindsight vision, if I could think like today what I knew back then. See, this is one of those tough financial decisions that I made and I wish I could do over. But I learned a lot in the midst of the situation. Some of y'all saying, Sean, why are you telling this story? You know my stories don't never match, but just pay attention. It'll, it'll tie in in a minute. And so we started down that path where we really want this house. We went on the blessed kingdom. We really want the house. We really want the house. We really want the house. And so Emery was going to get horses and I didn't even know how to ride a horse. And, you know, we were going to get all this stuff. We we're going to do it. And before you know it, we got robbed by a, um, a contractor. Then we got did bad by another contractor. And I know what I was doing. I was working full time. I was youth pastoring. I was a software engineer. And I would build a house on the weekends and at nights. Some nights I wouldn't get home till like 3 o'clock in the morning. And I would go to work like a zombie, sleep at my desk sometimes. I would go back, work on the house, work on the house. It was, and my kids were younger. I remember they thought they went and cried to their mama one time. We don't want daddy to die because I was walking around like a zombie <laughs> trying to build this house. And then it got to the point where I was at the point of no return. There was a couple of times I said, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to take the loss. But I was like, I don't put so much money into it. I, I, drug, I dove my, my, my 401k into it. Anybody ever seen the movie The Money Pit with Tom Hanks? That was my reality. And so why am I telling this story? Because I was building something uh, 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 here on earth that wasn't going to last. I was building something here on earth that wasn't going to last, especially because I built it. Um, in two years of my life, we were building on this house. Two long years of my life. We had, we, 
It got to the point where we had this other house. We had ended up renting out that house. That house got hit by light. And that's another story. And we were living in a 30-foot travel trailer, me, my wife, and our family of six. And this little travel trailer. And it, and, and it was cold in the wintertime. It was hot in the summertime. And we were trying to do it. And we didn't have a kitchen. We would go to Chili's every single night. And that's a lot of money there, too. And so they knew our name. They, we could call up the Chili's in Bastrop. And they knew us by, what, what you want the triple dipper. I know what you want. Like, they knew exactly what we wanted But by the time we called. And then... It all came crashing down. The bank was like, listen, we threw with you. We need this house. And so we ended up going into foreclosure on, over this house. And uh, that was my building experience. 401k gone, barely surviving, causing disrepair, and we had to trust God. And the entire time I was like, God, 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 wait a minute, God, 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 we were building this for you. We were going to bless you with what we were doing. What's up with that, God? And I heard clearly. It wasn't a James L. Jones verse, but I heard clearly in my spirit. 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 Listen, listen, listen. I heard clearly in my spirit. That only what's done for me will remain. Only what's done for me will remain. And so what does that mean? That means that we spend our lives striving. And you know, I come from the projects. I really wanted my wife to have that wraparound porch on acreage with horses so her and the girls can go riding horses. I won't get on no horse. I'm letting you know right now. And God showed me, he shifted inside of me. He said, you know what? Like, like, like he, I, I really had to come to the realization that what I was doing, even though I was going, even though what, the, what we were going to do with the kids was a bolt on, it was really about me. It was really about me. And some of you right now in the room, and I'm talking, I know I'm talking to some people this morning because money is this funny thing. I'm going to get to it in a minute. But I know some people in the room right now, you're, you're saying that when I get to this place, I'm going to do it for God or I'm going to do this for God. But it's really, it's really, it's really about you. It's really about you. I'm running short on time this morning. I had to tell that story. But did you know that Jesus talked about money? One in four things that he talked about was money. One in four. That's 25%. Jesus talked about money. Some of you are tightening up right now. I know. The pastor talking about money. Y'all know I don't talk about money often, but when I do, I got to. Because Jesus talked about it 25% of the time. Last time I talked about this, I said 15 because I didn't know how to do math back then. 25% of the time. (laughs) Jesus talked about money. Watch this. 16 of 38 parables was about how to handle money and possessions. In the Gospels, an amazing one in 10 verses, that's 288, deal directly with money. Directly with money. This is one that blows my mind. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer. Everybody say, we need to pray, right? The Bible offers less than 500 on faith. Everybody says, we got to have faith. 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Why did Jesus talk about money so much? Obviously, it was important to him. Why was it so important to him? Because, because Jesus knows that money is the last idol in our lives. Some of us in the room right now, you go, you go to a party, you go meet with somebody, you bow your chest out, you be like, so what you do? 
It's not about your vocation or how great you is. What we want to know is how much money you make. The Bible says that money answers all things. But it's not so much about greenbacks. It's not so much about your debit card. It's more so about the resources that you can hoard unto yourself for the money that you get. And we direct our kids. I got so convicted about this. We direct our kids. My kids will want to go to college and what they want to do with their life and stuff like that. And as a father, I'm like, man, go get a job that make you a lot of money. You know, that's my mindset. But probably because I don't want to pay for them no more. But you know what I'm saying? But then kids, my kids start talking about, man, I, maybe I want to do this. And, I'm, and, and, and it, it was coming out of my mouth saying, that don't make no money. <laughs> Any other parents in the room, did it? That don't make no money. I don't care about what you love doing. That don't make no money. <laughs> yeah. Let your kids say you want to be a garbage man. Mm-mm. Somebody got to be a garbage man. I find it funny. Do you ever see those kids on the videos, like the garbage truck coming, the kids run outside, they're so excited, they, they, they want to be a garbage man when they're little? And then when they grow up, they don't want to be a garbage man no more? It's because of y'all. And conviction settled in, and me and my wife, we had to start saying, you know what, as long as they love Jesus, as long as they love the Lord, and now our children are in so much debt, Student loans, not our children, but like student loans. Like people are still paying on student loans. You've been graduated 20 years. You still ain't paid off them loans. $277,000 in student loans, and you're not even working in your degree field. But the allure of money, it draws us, man, you got to do it. You got to make that money. You got to make that money. Advertisers know that to keep our eyes locked on Facebook and social media, and it's all about getting advertising dollars before us because they got to get that money, got to get that money. And we've gotten to this consumer mindset, this consumer mentality, and guess what it's doing? It's choking the church. It's choking the church. And listen, I'm just going to say this before I get really into the meat of it. I always walk and talk and make eye contact, so don't get nervous today. Because people always say that you were looking dead at me. Listen. I don't know who gives what in here. It, it, it's by design. The elders know, and I don't know. It's by design. I don't know who gives what. I know amounts. I don't know who. That makes sense? Like, I know what, I, we look at, I look at a, a statement when Ryan gets around to put them out, like, every month. And I'll go, okay, this is how much the church brought in. This is how much the church spent. That's all I know. I don't know faces. And so don't get tight when I look at you. I'm just going to put that out there right now, because some of y'all be like, yeah, you, I ain't never come back to that church. You look dead at me. Well, you might have been convicted because you ain't giving nothing. I'm just playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. You also know that we don't make a big deal about money here. We don't pass the plate. We don't try to, I don't try to get in your business. I've never said what percentage of your income you should be given. I never say any of that. I never say any of that. But I do believe that what you give is a direct, direct impact on your discipleship. Because Jesus, we're going to get that in a minute. But Jesus tells us that out of the abundance of our giving, it shows where our heart is. And so I don't know. Matthew chapter 6. They say, finally he got to the word. You got to set it up sometime when you pass us talking about money. Because I don't have access to, I don't have check, I don't have checks, books. I don't have, I, I have a debit card. And as soon as I swipe it, the elders know exactly what I swiped it on. I do not have a jet fund. I tried to get the elders to get me a jet fund because I need a jet. I don't even like flying. I just want a jet. And they keep telling me, no. I'm telling you, last time Dean gave me a dollar bill, said, here, we're going to start it with a dollar. What do I do with this? 
Keep that dollar. Okay, sorry. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For the eye is a lamp to the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. So my question to you this morning is, what are you investing in? What are you investing in? Here's a sad truth. Christians, on average, give 2.4% of their income. 2.4% of their income. You said, that don't sound too sad. You, you never talk about percentages, Pastor. Why are you talking about percentages now? Because in light of non-Christians give 7% to charity. And we're supposed to be cultivating a life of generosity, and non-believers are outpacing us in their generosity. Here's some statistics. Statistics. I can talk, I promise. In 2016, in this church, 50% of what came through the doors was given by one person. 50% was given by one person. We trending up, though. In 2018, 46% was given by one person. This year, 2019, 38% is given by one person. Now, I'm not saying that, eh, I, I do want a little conviction to settle in, because I, I, I talk to people more and more who are saying, yeah, man, I believe, man, I'm believing big, I'm believing big, and I never ask about giving. I make it a point to never ask about giving, unless there's a leadership thing that, that, that's associated with it, and then people are telling me, well, you know what, I don't really give. By the scripture, I'm told that I can check your heart temperature by your ability to give. Oh, it got tight in here, it got quiet in here, ooh. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I, 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 I thought I heard a mouse burping or something. It got quiet in here. Got quiet. And God wants in you. Listen, it's not for me. I don't get paid more or less based upon what you give. I don't. It's not about me. It's about you. And God wants you to cultivate a lifestyle of giving. You guys know we come out of a church that gives away 50% that goes to the door, and we want to move towards that one day. We want to be a church that plant other churches. We want to be a church that gives. We want to be a church that engages in the community, and I understand that, and we are doing that. But listen, 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 listen. You want to be a part of that. And I often say, if you can't trust what we're doing here with your giving, give somewhere else. But you might want to go somewhere else, too, where you can trust where they're giving. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be like, like get out the door. I love every one of you guys. But you got you to you hear this. You got to hear this. This is about your heart condition before God. You 
have to learn to allow Jesus to be the Lord in the midst of your finances. Right smack dab in the middle of your finances, you got to learn how to trust God. I told you guys about my story. I'll share a little bit again. And so y'all heard about that little debacle that happened in Elgin? I said, that ain't going to never happen to me no more. Ain't going to never happen to me again. Ain't going to ever, ever, ever happen to me again. I moved into an apartment, and I said, listen, I ain't building nothing. I, asked my, I told my wife, don't even ask me to hang a picture on the wall. <laughs> she knew it. Look, she's giggling. I said, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm not taking out the trash. I don't work too hard. I done lost 15 years of my life after this house. <laughs> and we moved into an apartment, and we had a surplus of money based upon living in an apartment, from, we had a surplus of money. And then we got that itch about like four or five years later. Man, we need another house. But this time I ain't going to build it. We're going to buy it. We're going to buy it built. And we went to this house, y'all. Y'all, y'all got to understand. We bought this house. It was bigger than we needed. But, but they made us an offer we couldn't refuse. Per square foot, I was like, oh, look at the per square foot on that thing. And we were there. We moved in. Trusting God, oh, we can afford the payments. Oh, hey, we in here. Um, the first year, property taxes went up. And so our, 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 our payment went up $125 a month. I'm like, oh, it's getting tight. <laughs> Second year, went up $150 a month. So now we're at $375 a month, right? A, you know I'm bad at math. Somebody get a calculator out. Then the next year, it went up another $100. I'm like, listen, they, 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 they play too much. Fourth year, went up another hundred dollars. Like they done priced us out of the neighborhood, and now we live in house poor. Now we live in house poor, and I was trusting God. And when we got that house, people were like, "Praise God! Woo! Look at God! Won't He do it?" And I'm in a sweat. Oh Lord Jesus, this payment killing me. Kids getting bigger, cars breaking down, and guess what happened? God stepped in. And he really started revealing to me that, listen, 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 you say it's about you. And y'all know, I always got people living in my house. I'm like, God, come on, come on. This your house, God. This your house, God. This your house, God. And God was like, uh, 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 your, your job is drying up. And I'm calling you to ministry. And you're going to make 60% less than what you make right now. And so guess where that house went? Bye-bye. House went bye-bye. And we moved into an 1,100 square foot house trusting God with 11 people. Somebody, somebody said, poor you. Yes, poor me. With 11 people. And I said, God, you know what? I can't have people over no more. I can't do the stuff. Like, like you know, it's a, and God showed me, if it's about me, you can do it in this. If it's about me, you can do it right here. Cars, engines dropping. Oh, Lord Jesus, we need another car. I ain't got no money to get another car now. I'm making 60% less than what I was making. Somebody gave me a car. And God showed me, he said, no, when you get about my business. And so I'm not only talking about your finances, what's coming out of your wallet. I'm talking about doing what God is calling you to do. Not only your time, but your treasure. Your talents. And some of you in the room right now, I know, this, I, I, I know it. I know it from the conversations I have. Listen, God says, don't store up treasures here on earth. What he was basically saying is amassing. Some of us in the room, you, know, you see, some of y'all, you, you thought I was just talking to broke folk. Some of you in the room, you got more than you need. That outfit that you ain't worn in some, some years, 
that you can't even fit one leg in no more? Well, I'm going to get back down. I'm going to fit it. You better get at the Goodwill. You better get at salvation. You better donate that. Some of y'all got extra rooms just for clothes and shoes and stuff. And you're amassing things here on earth. Some of you are living in surplus and you still are not giving God what God is due. I wish I could just witness to somebody in here this morning. I wish I could just listen, listen. Some of us, some of us, some of us are walking around here with nice cars, nice clothes, with names on them. I can't even pronounce. But then we say, hey, you know what? They got this thing going on. I ain't got no money for that. Hey, you know, you know, you ain't even have that money. You can just come on fifth Sundays. We do them. I ain't got time for that. There's a story with this old miser. <laughs> he stored up all this money all around the house. And, um, and basically, he didn't want his wife touching none of his money. And the doctor gave him a prognosis that he was about to die. And so he told his wife, he said, listen, the doctor said, I'm going to go. But listen, all this money stored around his house, under the mattress, in the back of the refrigerator, you better not touch none of it when I go. What I want you to do is I want you to store up, get all this money together for me. And I want you to put it in a big old box. And when they bury me, I want you to just dump it in there with me. Look at the, <laughs> look at the wives in the room. Like, this man, I lost his mind. It's just a story. It's just a story. Just a story. Just a story. Just a story. And so... She told her girlfriend about it. She said, girl, you bet not. <laughs> and so they showed up at the gravesite, and the friend's looking from across the space at a, at, at a friend with this big box. And they get the door in the dirt, and she throw the, mud, she throw the box down there. And she, she tried to go and grab it before. She said, girl, why did you do that? She said, listen, I got this. I got this. He said he wanted to be buried with the money. And so I went and took all the money and put it in the bank account. I wrote him a check, put it in the box, and dropped it in there. Listen, that's a check that'll never be cashed. You never see nobody pulling up to the graveyard with a U-Haul. A lot of us are amassing things here on earth. And listen, I'm not saying, don't hear this. I'm not saying don't have nice stuff. I'm saying don't let nice stuff have you. Next time you're at Nordstrom Rack, you pick up, you want to pick me one up too. Go ahead. I'm not saying it's wrong to have nice things. I'm not saying that you should be walking around here looking like a miser. Like some people have taken the scripture to, to say that you shouldn't, don't cut your hair. Don't, that, that costs money. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying don't go out to eat. But I'm saying when you go out to eat, make sure that you can bless the people that are waiting on you when you go out to eat. God wants you to be a steward of what you have. And some of us are living in abundance and we know we got way too much and we're holding on to all that stuff we got. And we want God to bless us with more. And we're looking like Scrooge McDuck. Mine, 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 mine. I hate talking about money, but I love it. Amen. I appreciate it. Moses is going to help me out. Kingdom-minded people don't own anything. You don't own nothing. You're a steward. And Jesus wants you to have this perspective. Don't lay up treasures there, down here. Lay up your treasures there. Listen, our treasure is tethering us to the temporal. 
Our treasure is keeping us earthly minded. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I want you to be eternal minded and I want you to use your resources that I have given you in order to promote the kingdom of God. Now, I know that there are some there are some there are some ways of thinking that God wants everybody to be rich so that everybody could then promote the kingdom. And you can possibly get that as you look there. But I'm going to show you something in a second. Listen, you're going to be frustrated if that's your mindset. Because he said where your heart is, where your treasure is, is where we'll find your heart. That your heart will follow your treasure. Listen, your treasure, your treasure literally trains your heart. What you put your attention on, what you gravitate toward, it trains your heart. That's not just with money. If you're putting your attention on ladies, young men, and you're wondering why lust can't get out of your heart, it's because you're training your heart by what you put before your eyes, by what you what activities you you are part of. And so inactivity when it comes to money will call our cause our hearts to drift. And Jesus knew this. That's why Jesus talked about it so much. Jesus saying, listen, listen, you're thinking on this plane. I need you to be thinking up here. And I told my story. I don't tell my story to brag, but I tell my story to let you guys know that like, this is where I get the conviction about this from because God literally had to show me because I thought I was living for the Lord. I thought I was doing the things that God wanted me to do. And God kept showing me like, no, nah, baby, you think, but your heart is desperately wicked. It's tricking you. <laughs> Some of us can't wait to tax return because we already got it spent. God is after our hearts. Verse 22 says, the eye is a lamp to the body. He's not talking about going to the optometrist now. He's still talking about money. So if the eye is healthy, the whole body is full of light. But if the eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. That word in the original uh, 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 Jewish mind, that, that, that idea in the original Jewish mindset was talking about generosity. Because you have a kingdom perspective. If you're walking around with a kingdom perspective, your, light will, your life will be full of light. And that includes your stuff. Jesus wants to transform the way you think. Money creates a dependence on the world. Money creates a dependence on the world. And God is saying, listen, I'm trying to get you to trust me. Kings trust in their horses and all that kind of stuff. You should trust in the Lord. Some of us are trusting in my BMW I trust, or in my job I trust, or in my education I trust. And God is saying, no, 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 you're not understanding some things. You need to trust in me. And so is money your master this one? I got a few questions I'm going to ask. How would I know if money is my master? Some of you might be saying, listen, I... Sean, it was, it was elusive to you. How would I know if money's my master? I'm, 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 I'm going to put a few things out here. Don't say amen or out to raise your hand or you're going to tell on yourself. All right? If money is more of a motivator than the word of God, then it's your master. If money is a mo- more of a motivator than the word of God, guess who your master is? Not God. Watch this one. If money skews your perspective, it's your master. If you get into a disagreement with somebody, you're talking to somebody, and it's all about the money, guess what? That money's your master. You can't see past the money. 
That's what drug dealers think like. If you spend more than you make and you have a decent income, I'm not talking about if you're poor and you spend more than you make. I'm talking about if you have a decent income and you spend more than you make, money may be your master. If you find yourself in debt and you can't seem to get out of it and you find yourself saying, I like nice things about all your things, money may be your master. If you are $5,000 in debt and you're still talking about, I just like nice things, if you find yourself Consistently stressed about finances, couples, married people in the house, money might be your master. Do you know the biggest reason that people break up? Sex and money. Single people said, hey, oh, let me stay single. If you can't stick to a budget to save your life and you got more overdraft fees than you got in savings, Money's your master. If you find yourself desiring stuff more than you desire to see souls saved, money is your master. So what should we be doing? How do we store up treasure in heaven? Well, first off, we should invest ourselves in the lives of others. We should invest ourselves in the work of ministry. Once you start getting active in the work of ministry, guess what? Your heart is going to start changing, and God is going to start, listen, inevitably, believe me, when you get engaged in ministry, your finances will follow. It's so quiet in there. Y'all usually giggling and teeheeing. Money is the final idol in a lot of our lives. I'm serious. And we try to make it about me. I don't give because the pastor, I don't know what the pastor doing with the money. I tell y'all, I'm broke. It's not about me. Because listen, if it was about money with me, I wouldn't be doing this. I got so much more earning potential in other places. I got two cars that's worth $1,300. I got seasonal cars, one to heat work, one to AC work. Depending on the day, y'all think I'm playing. I'm dead serious. And I'm going to ride them till the wheels fall off because God started dealing with some stuff inside of me because I like stuff. I told you, I'm gonna pro- I like stuff. I like nice stuff. I be talking to people about stuff they got. I'm like, ooh, I got to go home and pray. That's my conviction. I'm not saying that's on you. I'm not saying that you don't spend money on yourself. But what I'm saying is some of your resources should be going to God based upon his goodness. If we can sit here and scream and shout, you're a great God. God's like, show me. Show me. And God don't need your money. I don't need your money. God don't need your money. If you never put nothing in that box back there, I'm going to be okay. Verse 25 is a transformational statement. Watch this. He went and talked about all that stuff. You can't serve God and money. I'm hurrying now. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, 
We know when we see therefore, we go back and see what the therefore is therefore. We just got through with the therefore. He's talking about you can't serve God in the money. And he said, so don't be worried about what you're eating and drink, about your body, what you want to put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He said, look at the birds in the air. They neither sow, sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And so God is trying to get us out of this dichotomy of God's over here and I'm taking care of myself. What God is trying to get you to a place of is when you're not feeling like you need to be self-sufficient. If we keep on reading, we're going to see there. Money causes this sense of anxiety in us. And you already know. Some of y'all, y'all got bills piling up and you're just looking at it and you don't even want to look at the bills because they make you anxious. You ducking. Some of us parking cars around the corner at Big Mama and them house. But we showing up looking nice with, them, with that purse with the name on the side of it and them folk after your car. We have the sense that we need to take care of myself. If I don't, if I don't take care of myself, who's going to take care of me? God will take care of you. Now, this doesn't mean, now listen, some of y'all been waiting on this. Pastor said, quit my job. I never said that. <laughs> never said that. But we got to be able to allow God to take care of us and not what we can do take care of us. Let's transition down. He keeps talking about the birds of the air. He says, even the, gent- even the world has that understanding. Look at verse 33 in context of what we've been talking about. And we quote this scripture often. Verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Hmm. The reason that you've had to trust in your finances so long and your ability to make money so long, maybe you wasn't seeking first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and allowing him to add those things unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is a day for its own trouble. Listen, Jesus also gave a parable about a man who said to himself, self, the Bible says self, look how great you have done. Look at all this stuff. You should build more barns and and stuff. And then the Bible says that the Lord visited him on that day and says, today your soul is required of you. We're sitting here anxious about tomorrow, and we need to be worried about today. In our lifespan, we only have a certain amount of days, and we need to be living each day seeking the kingdom of God first and not worrying about money. We wake up in the morning, we're worried about money. We go to bed at night, we're worried about money. And God is trying to say, I'm trying to teach you how to trust me. You seek me, I'll take care of the other. And some of you are going, well, you're taking that scripture out of context. Jesus just said it. I just read it in the whole entire chapter. What else did he mean? Jesus wasn't one of those dudes that be over there. You ever, you ever meet, meet, meet somebody, they be talking about something, then they talk about something else in five minutes, you be like, you okay? Like Jesus, I do that in my sermons. Jesus didn't do that in his sermon. Jesus ain't rabbit trailing. Jesus is, he's staying the course. And he's saying, listen, you're worried about your life. Stop worrying about your life. Give your life to me and let me worry about it. 
thought you were talking about money, Sean. Kinda. It's not about the money. It's about your heart. And we get caught up on the money. We stuck at the dough on the money. And God is like, no, it's about your heart. Y'all made me yell. He says, stop letting worry creep in about material things because they will enslave you. Matthew 6.30 said, oh, ye of little, oh, you, you little faithless ones. He talking about money. He talked about it when they was in the boat. He talking about it with money right now. Jesus, man, how long am I going to be with y'all? Y'all not, are you not understanding the words that are coming out of my mouth? Man, when I saw that statistic of Christians giving 2.4 and the world outpacing Christians, and again, it's not about the percentage, but the world outpacing Christians, I was like, man, really? It's in our word that we should live a life of generosity. Perhaps that's part of the reason that the church looks like the church because we're not doing what God is calling us to do. You can't properly serve God, follow God, or cultivate a relationship with God when you don't see him correctly. And I believe that some of us are not giving because we believe that God's this great big hoarder in heaven and he's just taking all the stuff and then we're going to go and he's going to be like, aha, I'll trick you. Ain't no treasure up here for you. Trusting God frees us to pursue kingdom. God knows every one of your needs. He knows your need. He knows what's going on. Matthew 6, 32 says, you're worrying about all these things, and God knows. What you worried about it for? God knows. Well, maybe I haven't learned to trust God properly yet. Application points. Real quick, worship team come up. So where do I train my heart? How do I train my heart? Listen, I want you this week to start asking God, where, do you, where does he want your stuff to go? Some of us in the room, we need to make a de- declaration. God, where do you want my stuff to go? You're a steward. You're a steward. Now, like I said, the percentage is between you and God, but you're a steward. And you need to be faithful in that giving. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about there was a little poor church and they were going through a recession. And they were begging Paul, can we please participate in the giving? Why? Because they understood something. The Bible teaches about the woman with the two mites. She gave all that she had. And so it's not about percentages. Like I said, there are people, there, there have been families in this church that have given the lion's share of the giving, but they were giving out, I don't know what they have in their pocket, but if you're giving all you have, then it's just as much as them giving out of their abundance if they have abundance. Whether it's $2 or $2,000, if it's your last $2, you might as well give it because you can't get nothing with that $2 anyway.
Then ask God, what are some ways I can foster generosity in my heart? God, reveal it to me. And once you ask God those questions, draw a line in the sand. And see if what he says is true. That you can't outgive him. I relish the thought to think that there are some people who are sitting here today. And your hold up is your stuff. You're like the rich young ruler. Well, um, I don't know about that, Jesus. Again, like I said, this is not about me. It's about your heart and what God is talking to you to do today. And so today, like, if you hear God speaking, if you hear God prompting, if you hear God moving, act on it. And watch God work. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.